0: Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. We've done a few episodes on the proposed curriculum draft that the UCP is currently piloting in a very, very... Very small number of schools, mostly because school boards across the province have rejected it as being not only factually incorrect uh, against current teaching standards, but straight up harmful to kids. Now, we've done a few episodes where we've talked to academics and experts on curriculum development, but we wanted to go a little bit deeper. So we reached out to a few folks from the Albertans Reject the Curriculum Draft Facebook page, and we sat down with them in a series of interviews with three different people where we talked about their concerns not just as people who are advocating for a quality curriculum for kids but as parents and as small business owners who are concerned about what this curriculum will do to the employability of Albertans who are growing up through the school system right now. With yet another perspective on the whole question of the proposed curriculum draft as well as the impact of the proposed curriculum draft, we're very, very excited to be joined today by Dr. Angela Grace. Dr. Angela Grace started as a teacher but then branched out into a psychology role where she specializes in educational psychology and has also, for all intents and purposes, taken on a second full-time job working as an advocate to address some of her concerns with the curriculum draft and the potential damage that it's, it's going to inflict. So, Dr. Grace, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Nate.
0: So to start with, before we get into the the specifics of the curriculum, if you don't mind, if you could just tell us a little bit more above and beyond my clumsy introduction uh, as to to who you are and sort of what your professional background is and, and all of that.
1: Okay, well, I'll, I'll start off with um, so I was a grade one teacher. So out of high school, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I actually trained to be a high school drama and English teacher. And then of course, when you get a teaching job, you take what you can get. And it's okay, there's a lot of drama in grade one. So I took a grade one position. And I loved it. It was it was great. We had a lot of fun. Um, and then it was about my fourth or fifth year of teaching, where a little group of my grade one girls Something was off. I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I caught one of the girls throwing out her lunch. And I'm like, sweetheart, what are you doing? And she said, oh, we started a diet club to be like our moms. And they were throwing out their lunches behind my back and running laps around the playground at recess to try to lose weight. They were six years old. There was nothing in my teacher training that prepared me for this. So when I don't know what to do to school. So I went back to school and got my master's in counseling. I was going to be a school counselor. Um, I ended up going into private practice as a psychologist, yet working with schools to do assessments. But I just had this inner feeling that I wasn't quite doing what I was supposed to be doing. So I decided to go. And the other thing I realized is with kids with eating disorders is it's basically a hamster wheel. So one will come in with an eating disorder, I would help them, they go out, and then there'd be another and another and another. Instead of being in treatment, I wanted to study and understand what the prevention was. So I went back to school, got my PhD focused on eating disorder and obesity, um, prevention in school settings, which led me down a whole, a whole path of comprehensive school health, um, I helped to design the first course in comprehensive school health at the University of Calgary for um, beginning teachers so that they could learn how to teach health and wellness and not cause harm. So my foundation is in comprehensive school health and prevention. So I'd rather prevent a problem before it becomes a problem rather than deal with the expensive cost of treatment when like I believe prevention is more effective than treatment. So as part of that, after I graduated in, I found out that the Alberta curriculum, um, Alberta education was redoing their curriculum. I got all excited about it. I found out they were looking for community partners to review the curriculum. So I had to apply. I had to drive to Edmonton, do a 10 minute presentation on how I could contribute to um, the curriculum development. So I did it from a comprehensive school health perspective, got accepted as a community partner, went up, Went up for for a meeting to review the curriculum. So in that was so I think February to March two thousand seventeen. I applied and then in April um, April or May I got to go up. So we're given paper copies of the curriculum, and I sit there looking at the copy, and so this is K four and it says we're going to teach kids healthy and unhealthy foods. Well, part of me as my teacher part is like that sounds very reasonable, but the eating disorder prevention part of me learned over 20 years, that there are certain ways to go about doing that. So you don't cause harm. And then as a psychologist in private practice, I had parents bringing their kids to me with eating disorders and eating issues saying things like, my child in grade six had to do um, a, a nutrition plan and a fitness plan. And they started counting calories. And now all of a sudden, they have an eating disorder and have energy they won't eat and they're miserable and unhappy and anxious and really sick and might have to go into the hospital and I'm afraid my child's going to die so I've got all the ranges of the how teachers can help prevent these very deadly mental illnesses in in schools um so when I looked at the at the 2018 draft in 2017 I said you know what There are a whole bunch of things in here that actually contradict uh, best practices for eating disorder prevention, as well as constant health. So if we look at school health, it's not just what kids eat and how much they exercise. It's not just the physical level. There's also the emotional level. There's the mental health level. There's the relationship level. There's the spiritual level. There's the occupational level. There's also a financial health. So it's all these layers, right? And not to mention, they said in the preamble, there were First Nation, um, there were, yeah, for First Nation, Metis, and Inuit perspectives and Francophone perspectives. And I couldn't find a single one in a document in, in health and wellness. So I said, this has missed the boat. And we need to go back and do look at fully at comprehensive school health, what the best practices say. We have to involve First Nation, Métis, Inuit elders and knowledge keepers. Where's the medicine wheel? It is a beautiful example of indigenous approaches to, to health and well being, um, as well as Francophone perspectives. And so, fine, I spent hours, I was the last one in the room. I wrote all over the documents with all the best practice recommendations, gave resources and resources and resources. I was so excited it was yeah it was great so then the next year i was invited back to review it again as a community partner so i reviewed it again from the comprehensive school health perspective and it was awesome they had they had clearly consulted there were francophone first nation metis inuit perspectives of health and well-being It had all the layers of comprehensive school health. They were starting to have resources with some of the Alberta-based organizations um, that that work work with health. And I was really, really impressed. Basically, it was at a point where a little bit more consulting and then piloting to get teacher and student feedback, like it was in really, really, really good shape. So they told me that I'd be in, and then what happened was the science um, the science pillar asked me to review the science section, the science curriculum from a comprehensive school health perspective. And so did the music program, because when you're designing a curriculum, especially from a like with a, with a health perspective is you have to make sure that all of the subjects give the consistent messaging. So it doesn't make sense to teach health in phys ed. It makes sense for everybody to have a health perspective. So if just the phys ed teacher teaches it, and then the math or science teacher says, oh, we're going to count calories, or we're going to do BMI, then it contradicts. So they essentially wanted me to review to make sure that all the pillars were consistent. And I was so excited. I'm like, okay, waiting for the email, waiting for the email, waiting for the email. And then election came along. Jason Kenny pronounces and Adriana LaGrange pronounced that they're putting a pause and they want to review the curriculum for NDP content was the original. They were really worried about social studies. Nate, in the meetings I had, there was zero discussion by any teacher of their political affiliation. It wasn't a question. Everybody was focused on what is the evidence-based best practices to teach our children, nobody talked about politics. So I was stunned to hear that they thought there was NDP content. So that fall, I'll never forget this. So the fall of 2019 in October, I emailed my MLA Jason Copping and said I'd like to meet with you about the curriculum. And I was so excited. I even took a I even took a selfie outside of his office and posted on Facebook. And I'm like talking to my MLA. This is so great. I'm doing advocacy work. I'm so excited. So I met with them and I said. You know, I'm concerned about this because I helped work on that draft and there is no NDP content. And his response was, well, they just want to review it and, you know, make sure everything's okay. And I said, you know what? Why don't you put my name forward as an expert to help, like to, you know, help review it and look at it? Because again, like no specific political affiliation. I just wanted to do the right thing for the kids. Crickets, nothing, 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 nothing. A year later i'm still waiting and then march 30th 2021 um after a year pandemic which was really hard as a psychologist i was tired hadn't had any time off it was going to be my first week off um the brand new curriculum the 2021 draft comes out and i was like okay all right i'm excited to look at this what did they change like what did they update and I was appalled by what I saw. It was like, it actually brings tears to my eyes. I was like, I burst into tears when I looked at it. I thought, this is so backwards. Where is all the work that was done by the, by the curriculum experts? Where was the work done? Where, where were all the layers of comprehensive school health? Where was the medicine wheel? Where, where were all the best practices in eating disorder prevention gone? all of it was gone and replaced with things like in kindergarten, they wanted this, this, they say mass is a measurement of growth. So what does that mean? That means kids in kindergarten are going to be weighing themselves to track their growth over time. Well, that is a hundred percent in the opposite direction of international prevention in eating disorder recommendations. Then I move on to um, kids in grade one are, are, are also encouraged to weigh themselves and then going to be taught about healthies. Well, as soon as you give a little kid a black and white rule like that, they're they're going to be really, really confused. Well, if my and and then you get things like teachers pick and true story, okay. A teacher, the parent came home, a child came home with a little tiny bag of chocolate chips. And their mom's like, what is this? And they said, oh, my teacher says that chocolate is not healthy. So she picked out the chocolate chips from my granola bar. And so, and I was a teacher, I, I know what it was like, if you don't know what to teach, you Google it. If you're given an objective that says teach healthy and unhealthy foods, you're going to go through your background of saying, well, chips and chocolate and pop and, And sugar is bad for you. And, you know, apples and carrots and whatever is good for you, which at the foundation is true. However, little kids are at the mercy of their parents and what their parents can afford to feed them. So there's socioeconomic issues. And I was just in and came into like grade four and grade five, where kids were told one of the objectives was for children to design a fitness plan for their family. Well, that is not a nine or 10 year old's job. That's not their job where, and then I looked at, okay, well, where's the spiritual level? Well, they turned it into religion. So religion, and again, it wasn't in the wellness perspective. It was in the social studies, religion, although very important in, in many, you know, cultural communities in, in, in Alberta, religion is not spirituality and we have to learn to respect everybody's perspectives. And so I looked at that and I thought, this is going to be spiritually damaging to children to be taught a silly Christian perspective. And that's what it was. Jesus is the, Jesus is Lord and all other, all other cultures have beliefs. And so when I started looking at it from the levels of comprehensive school health, I was like, this is going to be damaging to kids. This is going to be damaging on so many levels. So I spent 50 hours in three days on a probably drove my husband crazy because you know 11 o'clock at night I'm waking him up like I can't believe I'm reading this it was, yeah <gasps> that was funny but I so I wrote a 17-page document outlining the general issues only in the wellness area because that's my area of expertise a little bit in the social studies with the religion but mostly it was in in the wellness area and then I've I sent it off and I contacted eating disorder organizations and some dietitians. And it's like, you guys, you guys have to look at this. Like, this is, this, what people don't realize is this curriculum, it's going to last for 30 or 30 or 40 years. So we're talking the majority of this curriculum is going to impact children that aren't even born yet. And that got really frightening to me. So I, Sent, sent my report to the minister, um, minister of Education, to my MLA, sent it to some eating disorganizations and then um, Dr. Carla Peck got her hands on my report and called me and asked me if I'd be interested in being part of the um, Alberta Curriculum Analysis website steering committee. And the intention was to have academics write reviews or submit their reviews of the curriculum so it was like a holding place for professionals and so I said yeah sure that's great so I started looking at some of these reviews that started coming in and it was scary to me like I'm not an expert in every area I only know my area so to read the things about math to read the things about um, the language arts curriculum the social studies the science it I was just astounded and then I started looking into what, who, who wrote this? Like, where are these committees? What are they? And to find out that they canceled. So initially there was an agreement, um, the ministry, ministry of Education knew that they couldn't design an entire curriculum by themselves. Like, so this was in, I think it started in like 2008, they were looking at at, at starting the new curriculum review. So for like 10 years, the ministry knew they needed all of these other collaborators to create a really good curriculum. And it stunned me to see all of that work thrown out and replaced with, with this document. And so I started looking at who designed it. And then I, I, read the, I read the initial review, which were Jason Kenney's hand-appointed advisors. And then when I started looking at them, I found out that one of them, um, Martin Mrazik from the U of A, he actually wrote a statement supporting Jason Kenney before he was even elected leader of the UCP. And he is one of the advisors. And then I look at this Ashley Burner, you know, a Cook funded research, Cook Brothers funded researcher out of the States, who supports private schools and charter schools. And I'm like, Why, why why is this happening? There was a Shakespeare, like there was a, a, you know, a a Shakespearean actor or drama person in it. And I'm like, why why are these people, like, why are these people here? So I called my MLA again and I said, hey, he says, oh, you know, first they said, I'll give you 15 minutes. And I'm like, no, you're going to need more time than that. So he booked me half an hour and it ended up being 45 minutes. And I'm like, okay, Jason, meaning Jason Copping, where, where's the NDP content? And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll have to check with the minister of, Edu- of education. And I'm like, did you put my name forward as an expert to review this? And he's all, oh yeah. Um, mm, um, if I didn't, that's on me. So clearly no. No interest in this. So I asked a number of questions, not where the NDP content is. Of course, of course, any curriculum should be reviewed for outside political interference. Like, of course. Nobody could tell me anything. And I said to him, why were all the other, why were all the other advisors and community partners let go of? And his response was, oh, many of them retired. And I said to him, I'm still here. I still want to work on this. And the truth is, Nate, I do still want to work on this. I want to work on the curriculum and make it like a world-class curriculum that our kids deserve for the next 30 to 40 years. I don't care which political party is in power. I just I just want to do the right thing. And if there was social engineering, as Jason Kenney called it, if there was that in the curriculum, you're damn right, I would pick it out and rip it to shreds. And now I'm ripping it to shreds because it's so poorly done and being called a communist.
0: So, I mean, that's, that's a, a huge story right there. I I know. (laughs) um,
1: It'll be in my my book. I
0: I want to, yeah, really though. um, I want to, I want to try to unpack, a few points that that jumped out and grabbed me in particular um, the the biggest one to me and and the one that I think is uh, services perhaps the greatest contrast between how previous curriculum was developed and how this curriculum has been manufactured because I don't know that we can call it developed but um, is the fact that when you started having conversations with people in the curriculum development process about the uh, the wellness pieces and and about the the fact that there were there were pieces that were clearly well intentioned, but that did not necessarily approach things in the the most effective or healthy way, from what you just said there, the reaction that you got was, Uh, oh well we should fix that then and then they fixed it Um, and when you compare that to the reaction that that people and and there's so many people who have tried to say hey we've got some legitimate concerns about this document and they have been dismissed out of hand I mean that that's really striking to me
1: oh yeah absolutely well so before I answer that question, I just want to go back to two things. First, consent was already in the 2018 draft. I sat right beside someone from the Sheldon Kennedy Center, and we talked for a good hour about how consent should be worded in the document, from a from a psychologist perspective and from from an organization perspective. So we had that conversation. Second. Financial wellness, financial literacy was already in the 2018 draft. So now it, it makes me laugh that Lagrange comes out with, oh, we have consent and financial literacy for the first time. No, you don't. It was already there. <laughs> you, so I'm like
0: gosh, there's so much to unpack. Um,
1: but I do want to get back get back to your to your to your question about how about what about the curriculum development process. So um, recently, like within the last week, it came out, a document came out from one Ministry of Education curriculum developer, curriculum writer that has has retired. And I'm sorry, I I can't remember her name, Um, but it was a 49 page document expressing her concerns about the direction the curriculum was going. And I learned a lot from that document. And the primary thing that I learned is um, there's basically four different types of curriculum, so I'm doing little, you know, air bubbles here. So one is extremely, extremely conservative in you, you basically going back to pre-education where the child is a bank's blank slate, you need to force, you know, force facts on them and, you know, that's, that's all kids are good for. The other one is extremely progressive where it's, there is no curriculum, let's go learn from nature, let's go play, you know, let's go do these things. So this one over here, none of that exists in Canada. There is no, there are no schools that do this. There are some schools that are very, very, very progressive, um, but those are private schools, like there's nothing in public schools. So what public schools have done is they've gone to the two middle ones. So trying to keep a middle ground between what's called essentialism. So let's look at Lagrange's and Kenny's view of essential knowledge and skills. I always wonder who determines the essential knowledge and skills, but that's essentialism, what they believe kids need. And then there's progressivist, which is which focuses on critical thinking and and it involves um, it involves different different methods of how do we teach kids, how to learn these essential knowledge and skills. So the 2018 draft was built on a middle teeter-totter ground of these are essential knowledge and skills. So guess what, Kenny and LaGrange, essential knowledge and skills were already there. But then it also approached the process of how teachers can teach critical thinking. And no, I don't mean like discovery math that people are worried about. I just mean objectives in the curriculum that help that, that give kids a little more freedom and flexibility in how they can, how they can learn things. So for example, um, in the 2021 draft, there is an actual objective. It just blows my mind. Okay, Nate, um, here, here it is. Do you know what celebrities are born on your birthday?
0: That's not in
1: there. (laughs) Kindergarten. Oh kindergarten God. will know what celebrities were born on their birthday. Uh, All right. So um, I don't know. Was Elmo born on your birthday? Was Dora? Was Thor? Like, okay. So <laughs> that's so that's what somebody considered an essential knowledge for kindergarten kids. You can't make this up. It's there. Uh, so a progressivist, like a progressive objective, would be what is important about birthdays? Do you see the difference? This one is dictating what celebrities born on your birthday. And this one (laughs) says, what's important about birthdays? So it opens up a whole broad range of kids talking about birthday experiences and, right? Like, so that that really makes me question who determined the essential knowledge and skills. So in the 2018 draft, we had over 32,000 Albertans and parents gave input before they even started. They had over four hundred teachers, community partners, and curriculum experts working on it. So basically, like let's round it up to thirty-two, no thirty-two thousand and five hundred people in putting their input onto the two thousand eighteen draft. We move to the twenty twenty-one draft. All of them are cancelled. Kenny appoints. 12 of his buddies, and then LaGrange appoints seven more. The original 12, I talked to a few of them because I'm like, what the hell is this? So I called them or emailed them, and they said, oh, we never wrote the curriculum, we just reviewed it. So those 12 people claimed that they didn't do anything. And then there were the nine people that were appointed after, including known racist Chris Champion out of Ontario, who used to work for Jason Kenney, Right. And and then there's these unknown writers somewhere. So basically, 32,500 Albertans, who knows what their political background was because nobody asked and nobody cared, replaced by 19 hand-appointed people who, like, in my opinion, so this is my Angela opinion, they put a whole bunch of essential knowledge on DARTs and then hucked it at the grade board and said, oh, this is going in grade six, and this is going in grade four, and this is going in grade two. So let's look at another another objective from with a comprehensive school health perspective. So in the grade four draft, um, when I look at in, um, in April, in the grade four draft, it says, so these are nine and 10 year olds, identify the identified the visible changes on body parts as a person goes through puberty. So let's think of the first thing that people are going to observe. Breasts. All I can think of are grade four girls developing breasts and all of a sudden they have to talk about it in class. So Yes, of course we wanna talk about the changes in puberty, but there are very sensitive ways to do it that have evidence-based background. And this is not one of them. So in my, you know, in my report, I mentioned that 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 was inappropriate for grade four. And so the next time I looked at the curriculum draft, what they'd done is they moved it to grade two. So here's what's happening, Nate. Here's what's happening. The Minister of Education wants rich feedback and has this four question forum online where people can submit their feedback. What they're doing is we are now shooting at a moving target. They're like, oh, somebody doesn't like this one. Well, let's move it here. Oh, somebody doesn't like this. Well, let's do this. Oh, somebody doesn't like this wording, let's do this. When they got called out on Christianity, like on the immense, um, on the way Christianity was being portrayed, now all of a sudden in grade five, so these are 10 year olds, all of a sudden there's a huge list of learning all the tenets of all the major world religions.
0: That should be easy.
1: (laughs) Well, and then that, like that will also create moral dilemmas for teachers because I was a teacher. Was there anything in my teaching background how to teach about Hinduism, Judaism, Muslim, Sikhism? Nothing. So it's actually, unless you're, a religiously trained teacher like catholic school board you know christian schools you know other other cultural schools those teachers work under that philosophy the average public school teacher is generally trained but religion is not a part of it mm-hmm. and so it's going to create moral dilemmas for teachers because they have to teach something that they're not trained in Which brings to another whole point is um, there is, as far as I know, there is no training and no resources to implement this new curriculum.
0: Well, that's one of the, I mean, I I have to say I felt bad about the the curriculum for a lot of, of, I think, pretty good reasons before we started this conversation. And I I, I feel worse now. Uh, (laughs) But... One of the things that I've I've heard repeatedly in multiple conversations with multiple people about concerns about the curriculum is that there are no identified resources for how teachers are going to roll this out. And one of the things that I've heard from a couple of of, of people who are not only like we have some some teachers who have spoken to this, we have some some curricular developers who have spoken to this, and that one of the concerns is not only the I'll go with chaotic nature of the curriculum, um, but also the fact that it doesn't. It is it is a trim, It's a fire hose of information, and it's it's doesn't seem to take into account that in any given teacher's day, with the the classroom sizes that we currently have, and with the lack of resources that so many teachers are working uh, with or without, um, that. This fire hose of information is going to be extremely difficult to to make anyone uh, be able to do anything with that information, other than just get stunned by it. I mean, I had a conversation with a, a teacher from from Grand Prairie earlier today, and she spoke. She took one just one learning objective and and deconstructed it into the all of the different things that a kid in that age group is, is gonna have to work through. And I, I I thought I had a pretty good grasp of just how much, uh, I mean, it's, it's easy to make jokes about the Regina not being in Alberta oh, yeah. or, or, or finding gravity on a globe, that's low hanging fruit. But to actually get into the, the details of, of what it takes in order to make these concepts relatable to the kids that they're supposed to be being taught to, it's stunning. Um, well,
1: yeah, two, so two point well a few points on that. So the grade two social studies curriculum has a lot of like Greek and Roman history. I spoke to a second year university student who's studying world history. He spent he said, I spent a year studying Greek and Roman history which is in the grade two curriculum. And I'm in my twenties, how are seven year olds supposed to understand this when I can't even grasp it? The second thing is, uh, you know, the minister of education is asking for rich feedback by February. So there are less than 1% of schools in Alberta piloting parts of this draft. No one is piloting social studies. Um, I don't think anyone's piloting silent science either, but I may not have my facts straight on that. So we've got less than 1% of teachers in Alberta piloting parts of it, and she wants all the feedback by February. So I was a teacher. Let me tell you, September is chaos. You're getting to know the kids. They're getting to know each other. This year would be even worse because we've got mask mandates. Kids have had in and out of school for two years. So September's a write-off. Let's also say December's a write-off because kids are tired and it's Christmas. That's that's it. So basically, there's like eight weeks in October, November. Let's let's extend it to ten. Let's say there's ten good weeks of teaching um, in that time for teachers to teach this much of the curriculum. Beginning of January, you know, kids get into the swing of it. But if 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 rich feedback is wanted by let's say mid February, so we've got ten weeks now. We've got six weeks January, February. So that's sixteen weeks of school. Only part of the curriculum is going to be covered, so less than half of the curriculum. And then, so they're going to take less, like 1% of the, of the teachers are going to give feedback on about 16 weeks of this much of the curriculum, and then it is going to be implemented in September 2022 for everybody. So this has never been done before. Typically, if curriculums are rolled out, it's one or two subjects at a time, one or two grades at a time, not a whole bloody curriculum from K to 12. That over 40,000 parents, educational experts are saying this is not okay.
0: So what what let's let's start with sort of what the the next step, in your opinion, should look like. So is it is it repairable? Is it. Is it, does it need to be just returned to the Dorchester Review? What do we need to do with this this curriculum?
1: Well, in in my opinion, this particular curriculum is not repairable. Um, it it was created haphazardly by unknown writers with significant political interference. Um, it's come out that. Jason Kenny and the UCP caucus received copies of the document before it was released to the public. Why, why are they getting copies of it? Um, what, what, is, what is that about? So I, I believe that this draft needs to be, like the whole piloting process and rolling it out needs to be absolutely put on hold. Um, the Ministry of Education needs to go back and have, uh, a mem- like get the memorandum, get the agreement with the with the Teachers Association back on board. And the thing that our government doesn't seem to realize, you now, you have 40,000 Albertans. You have like a ton of educational experts. We are ready. We were like, I, I would love it if the Minister of Education contacted me and said, Angela, could you please help us fix this? I'd be like, yes. Let me be your ally and not your enemy. Right. We want to be allies for our for for our children. We want to be allies. We want to look at the best practices around the world. By the way, that's that's another interesting thing, is I told you about the teeter-totter balance. If they gave us, we could take the we could take the essential knowledge and skills blend it with the 2018 draft, put multiple eyes on it and come to a consensus that this is good, because that's the interesting thing. The 2018 draft, when it came out, guess how much public outcry there was about it?
0: I don't remember very much.
1: None. (laughs) It was Jason Kenney. Yeah. Jason Kenney was the only public outcry about it. And so we can take the, you know, we can take conservative essential knowledge and skills combined with best practices and create a curriculum that's already good. And we had, we had that in the 2018 draft.
0: So I guess one of, my, one of my questions that I keep coming back to is I have not heard, as, as you just pointed out, I haven't heard from anyone other than Mr. Kenny and co um, a, a level of dissatisfaction with the actual curriculum. And I know that some people have lit their hair on fire over the whole discovery math uh, and all of that. But it, it turns out, to the best of my understanding, when you actually take a look, there's no such thing as discovery math. That's not a, a, a curriculum piece. It's not an established. Yeah. So that's like getting angry about. Okay,
1: Nate, let's do some <laughs> discovery math. Okay.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So very simple. Let's go back to grade two math. Actually let's go, yeah, grade two.
0: We might need to go earlier with me, but we can try one
1: math. What is nine plus two?
0: I, I'm gonna final answer 11.
1: How did you get there?
0: I put two more numbers on top of nine.
1: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Exactly. Okay, good. So my method that I figured out in grade one to do that was, I remember going to my teacher and I said, you know what? I said, I can add any number to nine and know what the answer is. And she's like, I say, I pretend that nine is 10. And then I take away one. Nate, we just did our own forum of discovery math. You had your way. I had my way, the way my brain works. And we both came up with the same answer. That's all it is is helping kids determine the way to come up with the answer.
0: I'm curious how much, and, and particularly given your, your, your psychology background, um, I have always wondered how much of the, the outrage over discovery math, as, as we just experimented with there, has to do with, um, and I'll just be very blunt, the insecurity of parents. Because I know that there are, I mean, I have, I have two kids that are in the school system myself right now, and there are certainly times where they've done things and I've gone, whoa, I don't understand what just happened here. And my reaction, because I, I know that I'm not very bright, is to say, walk me through what you just did there so I can catch up. But it, I can certainly see that there would be a lot of people who would look at that and go, oh, that's not how I learned it, that's not okay. Um, and and because they aren't able to to produce the answer themselves, um, I wonder whether or not there's a, a a level of insecurity that comes into play. Where yeah, if I can't if I can't do it that way, I don't I don't like it, so I want it to go away.
1: Well, and there's also the fact of going. You know, let's go back to the good old days where we you know memorize the times tables and stuff, which I totally remember having to stay in at recess in grade three and memorize memorize the times table right so I think it is it is a blend of of insecurity and then if it's blown up by somebody in power then all of a sudden it becomes this really negative thing because people don't fully understand it so um I'm not the best person to talk to about discovery math because I'm not a I'm not a math expert um there's a reason why I taught grade one (laughs) So, but but if they don't, if people don't understand, they're going to fall back on what they know. And so if somebody in power says there's NDP content, it's all, you know, social, socially constructed, and there's discovery map, like people are going to get really, really, really nervous about it. And, you know, I just want to actually congratulate Jason Kenney and Adriana LaGrange because nowhere in history and in the future... Are there going to be so many eyes on edu- on what is happening in education in this curriculum? Like you bet, the next round that comes out, there is going to be you know a hundred thousand people looking at the next round. So, and that is awesome. So that's you know that's a heck of a silver lining. So congratulations! <laughs> now everybody's going to be watching you like a hawk, and it's called public accountability.
0: Do you think that there's, I mean, I want to, I want to get to the, what would you recommend that people do? Cause I mean, quite frankly, the level of engagement that you've gotten from, from, from your MLA is atypical from a lot of the stories that, that we've heard in regards to how I well, mean, I'm pretty
1: sure he's never going to talk to me again.
0: <laughs> okay. Um,
1: I might've made him cry. <laughs> did, did, you,
0: did you, did you, did you show up in, oh, no, no, that was the other health minister who likes driveways. Um, but I'm I'm curious. Do you think that there's one of the things that I find myself wondering about is we had a a curriculum that was done by and large uh, and ready to go by and large, and we had a provincial government come in and say, "Ah, eh, we're going to get rid of that." I I almost. <sighs> I worry, I mean, as much as I think that the the UCUP's curriculum is just, oh, so very bad, and I want it gone because I've got kids in the school system, Um, and I I am deeply concerned at the prospect of what's going to happen when you crank out a bunch of kids through an education system that is substandard. Um, What are the long-term effects of that going to be socially and economically? But... I I, I kind of wonder to myself: Is it, given that the end, the the UCP flipped the script on it so quickly, is there anything? Is there any reason to think that the NDP, when when they're elected next, or whoever is elected next, won't do the same thing? And then we get into this four-year cycle of curriculum review.
1: I mean, that's very possible. However, um, I think I I would hope that. Any political party would look at this as a tremendous learning lesson that says, you know, yes, the Alberta public wants a new curriculum. Yes, they want there to be essential knowledge and skills, which is what Jason Kenney won won his platform on. But now what what educators, what, you know, over 40,000 parents, what educational experts are saying is, all right, we need essential knowledge and skills. People want back to basics. Great. How do we do that in such a way that's actually going to make sense? And so, to me, moving forward, it is bringing back the 2018 curriculum, which everybody was happy about, except Jason Kenny. Most Albertans didn't even really care about because they trusted teachers at that time, and they trusted um, they trusted the the Ministry of Education to have have the best curriculum. Well, now that the the flags have been raised and alarms are sounded, I would hope. That the Ministry of Education and whatever political parties in power would look at that and say, How do we get the actual experts to come in and, and repair this and make it really, really good? So I liken it to this. I I'm you know, I'm I'm a words person, I'm a reading and writing person, I am not a bridge builder. But if there was a bridge being built, that millions of people were going to use for the next 30 to 40 years. And the, the bridge builder fired the, you know, 32,500 people who had eyes on a first bridge and hired 19 people to build it under his direction. And the experts came back and said, this bridge is going to fail. People are going to die. It is going to fall apart. It is going to be extremely harmful. And the leader says, "Me." It's my bridge. I'm happy with it. I want it. You better drive over it. I would be terrified. Like there's there's not there's not a chance. So we want, you know, we want architects to do their jobs. We want surgeon. If if someone came up with a if if a surgeon came up with a surgical procedure that everyone else in the field said you're going to kill people, there's not a chance that that would go. Now I know I'm being dramatic with um, you know, killing people or whatever, but it's going when when experts are saying this is going to damage our children mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, it's not going to prepare them for their future. Um, I, I would seriously take a step back. Like I'm one person and in my profession, if one client says to me, eh, I don't really know about that, then I seriously do some self-reflecting and say where's the best practices that says this is good if two people said "Mm, Angela I don't know what you're doing there I'd be like yeah okay I will look at it and research it if thirty two thousand five hundred people said Angela what's going on I'd be like oh oh boy I better just stop this and go to the experts and it's tragic what is happening it's tragic what is happening
0: well one of the one of the the other things that I just want to raise because you, you got me percol- percolating on it a bit there was the whole idea of the the back to basics because I think that while there are certain things you know um, that that will remain constant uh, math being probably the best and only example that I can think of um, one of the one of the big things that I think that this curriculum and the authors whoever they are, uh, have ignored, is that the basics have evolved.
1: The the basics have evolved. Technology has evolved. Education has evolved. Jobs have evolved. You know, when I I I grew up, there was no, well, when I was teaching, there was no social media. And so critiquing social media and where do you get your news from has to be a critical component. Of the curriculum because look what's happening right now we've got people who you know firmly believe in back to the basics they read one thing in the newspaper or one thing online and then are all of a sudden immediately posting their opinions about it without having without really really researching and knowing where to go mm-hmm. and so that's what critical thinking is is teaching kids how to think for themselves where to go for best practice resources where to go for actual information. It is embarrassing that initially um, Dr. Sarah Eaton did a review of all the plagiarism in the curriculum, plagiarized off Google, off Wikipedia. Some of the phys ed stuff was taken from, like the phys ed and wellness stuff was taken from a youth website, a youth recreation website in BC. Like that's humiliating. There's some some contradictions too. Like, so, because I'm, you know, I'm doing, I back myself up with research. So I'm like, what, what has all happened with education? I came across an Alberta, Alberta school in um, Abu Dhabi. So an international Alberta school promoting how Alberta curriculum puts our students as some of the best in the world. Ministry of Education is feeding our public that Alberta schools you know Alberta students aren't doing well but yet advertising internationally go to this school because we're among the best in the world. So things are being twisted and nobody knows what's true anymore and then you know that's that's why I'm so heavily invested in this is because what is true and how can I tell people what is true in hopefully, partisan way if possible like i'm not affiliated with any political party i tell you if the ntp were pulling this i would be saying exactly the same thing and you know what i did 2017 i said this is not okay
0: well and that's that's one of the other things that that i think is involved in this conversation to some degree is the whole idea of the death of expertise and the notion that we all need to be our own experts um it's to me one of the fundamental things that we we need to be willing to do is recognize when there are people who are better informed about subjects than uh, other people, and and God knows me, um, and perhaps the the person to design curriculum shouldn't be a, a history uh, Ph.D. as opposed to somebody who's actually designing like.
1: You know what, as far as I could tell, and I could be wrong, that's fine. As far as I could tell, none of the 19 hand appointed experts were, ed- were elementary school teachers or had anything to do with elementary school. So, I mean, I did, I did my whole PhD on, on eating disorder prevention, obesity, prevention, comprehensive school health in schools, but I still consider myself an elementary expert. If I was asked to design the junior, senior, high one, I would be like, great, Uh, me and what team? Where's my team? And that's part of the unethical behavior. I'm going to say unethical behavior of of these committee members and hand-appointed advisors is I believe they stepped out of their scope of practice and have made claims that are beyond their scope of practice. I'm an elementary person that's why I was so passionate about this. Can I give my two cents into a junior senior high curriculum? Absolutely. But could I sit back and design the entire wellness curriculum for K to 12? That would be unethical and there's not a chance I would do it.
0: And well, why what you that? Said about
1: the, the death of experts? Well, like I think of it is I would not go to a person to get my teeth checked who claim to be a dentist, like you can't say, I have teeth, therefore I'm a dentist. You can't say, I broke my arm once as a kid, so now I'm a doctor and going to set casts. You can't say, I went to school, therefore I know how to design a curriculum. And that's part of the problem is yes, you know they want rich feedback from people. Well, but if you've got if you've got a, a parent with a particular perspective, they're going to you know they're going to say that and they have the right to say that perspective but is that necessarily in alignment with the last 20 years of educational best practices yeah and so it's complicated writing a curriculum is complicated and it needs multiple eyes on it and multiple perspectives experts and all of those got canceled and replaced and now eight of those people have been reemployed by the ministry to do the junior and senior high curriculums. It's going to get exponentially worse. So, what should people do? They absolutely have to write their MLA, um, the Ministry of Education, I would add the Premier in there, because, like, why not? Um, and the leader of the opposition, the critic, and say, like, we need more people to say this is absolutely not okay. We need people to speak out uh, speak out about it unfortunately what we found so far is we are not being listened to at all at all so we do need we do need to band together about it and watch what is about to roll out um, i led our, i led the first rally at the legislative building on in september Um, With some experts talking about the dangers of the curriculum. We had about 300, around 300 people there. Um, I suspect there's going to be some more rallies in the spring. If if our government does not put a moratorium, we have to demand a moratorium on this um, and return it back to the teachers. Let let our experts do their jobs. And you can bet now any expert who goes to work on, on any of these curriculum drafts is going to know they are going to be watched like a hawk. As, as frankly, that's what Jason Kenny and Adriana LaGrange have now set up, is people are going, is, all eyes are going to be on this curriculum. All eyes are going to be on what the experts are saying. And so it needs to be good. And we're allies. Dear Jason yeah. Kenny and Adriana LaGrange, we are not your enemies, we are your allies. And we want Alberta students to succeed. So let us do our jobs.
0: It would be it would be nice if uh, the premier of Alberta and the minister of education would, would recognize, recognize that certainly there are there are partisans involved in the field, um, but I think that the vast majority of people who are raising concerns about the curriculum are people who are concerned about the curriculum. They're not trying. I mean. It, from a purely pragmatic point of view, this government has manufactured quite successfully so many things that partisans can hit them with that the curriculum doesn't need to be part of that equation. Uh, and I would, I would, I would love, love. to see, no. I, I mean, I, I, I've said it before. I, I would love nothing more than to not be able to talk about the problems with the curriculum.
1: Yeah. I don't want to yeah. do this anymore. I'm yeah. tired, but guess what I'm doing, Nate? I am doing a complete timeline of every single thing that has happened with Alberta education and the curriculum since Jason Kenney opened his mouth in 2016.
0: When you get that done, I I would love to have you back on the show.
1: Oh, totally. I'll send you a copy of it too. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And it's from a nonpartisan perspective. I am not associated with any party. I just, I just want to know the truth, and I want to know what's best for our kids for the next thirty to forty years. Like well. the kids, the kids in kindergarten now, this is going to affect their children. Do all the kindergarten children in Alberta for the next need to know what celebrity was born on their birthday? <laughs>
0: I, I don't even think I could tell you a celebrity that was born on my birthday.
1: And, and you know, like like you said before, low hanging fruit. But that is just one minuscule example of the rottenness of. of yeah, what, I would of be I would happening. be
0: happy to argue. I mean, historically, the low hanging fruit is the stuff that's that's easiest and, and best to go after. Uh, if the low hanging fruit are this rotten. Boy, that doesn't give me hope for the rest of the harvest.
1: No, exactly. Well, and the, the other thing I want to make clear is that this... Okay, so there's some lies out there about teachers and political parties. So first of all, the, the Alberta Teachers Association is not a wing of the NDP. <laughs> the Alberta Teachers Association has been around for a really long time. They are an association that has teacher training, best practices for teachers, um, a complaint process, like they're there as an advisor. Like that's any professional organization has, has a place to go for best practices and standards in my entire, like in all of my teaching, like my entire career since 1996, none of us teachers sit around, talk about politics and Talk about what I mean. Some teachers might. It never happened where I worked. I, I sat so in 2017. I sat in the room um, as a you know as a as a community partner looking at the curriculum with like 150 people there. Not one single person asked me what political party I was aligned with. We were all there for the curriculum. And so no, I'm not aligned with anything. Neither are the deans of education. Mm, the yes, I know some very conservative teachers who voted in the UCP who are also against the curriculum. Like it really says something, here's the other thing, it really says something with so much religion in the curriculum when even most of the the majority of the Catholic school divisions won't even teach it.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, so I firmly believe we need to continue to press forward, demand a moratorium, the more voices the better hand it back to the teachers yes of course keep you know keep speci- specific political ideology out of the curriculum but that also means our premier shouldn't be promoting his grandfather as a canadian jazz legend in as one of the objectives in an elementary music curriculum i wonder i,
0: I wonder what what mort kenny's birthday was <gasps> Just, just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um,
1: I'll, I'll say, say one, one more thing before we go. Yeah. Is, well, because I'm, I'm a researcher and, and an educator and I like, to, I like to think I promote critical thinking is people need to read the reviews from the experts on Alberta curriculum analysis and then make up your mind. Don't just believe what you're seeing in the paper, because like you said before, it, you know, if I had done this with a reporter who was going to write it in the Edmonton Journal or Calgary Herald, we would have this great interview, one or two sentences from what I've said. And so we need the full picture before people can decide. I'm also not a communist, so I'll just put that out there (laughs) as well.
0: (laughs) Well, that's, that's good to clarify. Um, Dr. Grace, thank you so much for your time. This was probably one of the easiest interviews that I've done in a while. Awesome. Because you just you just carried the water through the whole thing. So I just made a couple of jokes, and that was really it. Um, but but thank you so much for awesome. for your time, your advocacy, and yeah. I when when you get that timeline done, please let me know because. Yeah. Uh, the, the more that we can have these types of conversations that, heaven forbid, embrace a little bit of nuance, I think the better off everybody will be.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like I look back to I look back to March 30th, April 1st. If I had looked at the curriculum and been like, OK, it there's you know, they removed they removed any content that they believed was. Oh, here's the other thing about the whole original issue with NDP content. There was none. And the Minister of Education couldn't identify any. So, and the review done by, you know, the 12 hand appointed. So the review by the 12 hand appointed advisors, nowhere in that review, I read the whole review, nowhere did it say trash the entire draft and start again. It said the 2018 draft is an excellent foundation to be built upon. And if they'd done that, we would not be in this mess. Yeah. Right.
0: I don't even know what to add to that.
1: <laughs> I know. There is nothing to add. There's no, there's nothing to add. Moratorium, bring back the 2018 draft, pilot it. We're already two years behind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And can you please put some money in the budget for teachers to actually have training and uh, resources to teach? And, right. And maybe some stuff for students and reduce classroom sizes.
0: Right? Hmm? Yeah. That would be, I think, a far better investment of money than than this dumpster fire I don't know yep. how much money they've spent on the, the this this curriculum development although I do have to say uh, they they have for for folks like me that like to make jokes boy they've just been the the gift that keeps on giving because that sign is sad sign
1: oh yeah <laughs> just enjoy that right
0: if you can't spell the word curriculum don't rewrite I know it. I was actually thinking of
1: taking a comedy writing yeah, I was thinking of taking a comedy writing class because i spent far too much time crying over this and I'm like how can I, I better start laughing otherwise I'm just going to collapse in a puddle of tears.
0: That's why we play with puppets.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh maybe in my timeline I need to use a little puppet. There you go. Uh, Lego minifigs.
0: There you go. I'm just saying there there's go. possibilities. Thank you again Dr. Grace.
1: You're so welcome. Thank you Nate.
0: As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here, please consider signing up to be one of our Patreon supporters at www.patreon.com slash the because it's through the support of our Patreon supporters that we're able to continue generating the kind of content that we do. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen. Thank you for your support and stay safe.